Hey, my name is Katie Pijanowski, and I'm a certified life coach and motivational speaker, and I'm here to help you unlock your true strength so you can create the life of your dreams. I teach you my best tips to master your mindset, create confidence, and empower yourself to take back your life. It's your time. This is the Mind and Body Strong Podcast. friends welcome back to the mind and body strong podcast today we have another special guest Mayuko from LA and she is a registered dietitian and yoga instructor who spent the eight years in health in the healthcare field until she was called to pursue and serve in a different way through intuitive eating and mind body spirit approach to wellness and we were just chatting a little bit before pressing record and I absolutely just love her her calm energy and being able to really share her experience of being going from the healthcare field and shifting into this more like intuitive approach. And I think she's going to bring a lot of wisdom. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me today. I'm really, really excited to be here. I'm super excited to hear from you too. So I would love, especially to just start with the shift that you experienced being in healthcare for so long as a clinical dietitian and what really shifted you into this place to follow your intuition and, and move towards mind, body, spirit approach to help to health. Sure. Absolutely. So I became a dietitian because I knew that I was really interested in, in nutrition and the wellness field. I wanted to help people that that was my calling to be able to keep people in a healthy place and also in a happy place. So, you know, I was really hopeful when I became a dietitian and I started working as a clinical dietitian, helping people in the inpatient setting. So people who are sick in bed and, you know, I provide education, I provide different diets and um, provide assessments. So I was doing that for several years um, but unfortunately, it really wasn't what I had been wanting to do as a dietitian. So it was, it felt very prescriptive. I was telling people what they can eat, what they cannot eat. And it wasn't something that people were really in tune with at the time of hospitalization. They're most for, they're more focused on the disease itself or recovering from a major surgery. You know, these are big life-changing events and food wasn't really the biggest thing that they were concerned about. So I felt really um, powerless at the time and it was a little bit discouraging. And, you know, I became a dietitian for a reason, but it really wasn't aligned with my values. And one thing that had really stuck with me was that some of these patients, they wanted to talk to me about unrelated things and they just want to talk about what they're going through in their own personal life and there was nothing really I can do in my role you know I'm not a psychologist or a counselor or anything like that I just all I could do is just smile and nod and just listen patiently and you know I found that the patients were really grateful for that and I knew that there was something to listening to people that was so important and that emotional connection was had much more value than just providing information on nutrition and um, providing a regimen. So that just kind of stuck with me, but there was nothing I could really do about that at that point. 
And I went on to manage in the nutrition departments. And that was also a little bit more um, rewarding to me. But at the same time, you know, I had to still work within um, healthcare and, of course, all of their um, values are a little bit different than mine. So I struggled back and forth between, you know, do I leave and leave the secure job or do I pursue something that I love to do, something more open and creative and something that I wasn't sure exactly what I wanted to do yet, but I just knew that there was a lot more that I could do. I knew I had something within me that could really be of service to people. And this, I was just confined to this place in healthcare. So uh, I struggled with that for a while, um, but stuck with it for eight years. And Mm -hmm. during that time, I practiced yoga. Um, It was something I just did regularly as exercise. But um, one day I realized that I felt that I wasn't grounded. And I rolled out my mat at home and just stood on it, stood and took a big breath. And I felt immediately better. And at that point, I realized that there was so much more to this yoga practice than just stress relief and, you know, an exercise. But I didn't understand what it was. So I started to research on why yoga was so amazing and so beneficial. And I went into teacher training because that was basically what people said that you're supposed to do when you wanted to learn more and um, go deeper into the yoga practice. So I did that and it was definitely life changing. And it was more of the philosophy portion that was really helpful for me. And it was transformative in a way because I learned to go into my truth. And that is a big piece of yoga. And my truth, my authentic self, was not the work that I was doing. Mm-hmm. So that was a really powerful message that I got. And the more I dug deeper into that, I realized, and I could feel it in my entire body, that I could not continue on with this. Um, and finally, I came to a point where I just couldn't stay anymore. I had nothing planned. Mm-hmm. I had no idea what I was going to do the following day, but I had to trust, and trust is another big thing with yoga, but I had to trust that everything was just going to work out. And I knew, I just knew that there was something out there for me that I could do to help people in a way, in a much bigger way. Mm-hmm. So I finally left. And I think that was probably the most important decision that I've made in my life. And I'm still, you know, trying to move forward with this. It's not easy. Mm-hmm. But I think learning to trust is such an important um, piece to this. And so I, I continued on with my yoga practice and started teaching. And I began to teach yoga philosophy because that's what transformed me and as a tool for self-development so that was also really rewarding off the bat you know I felt like even after just a couple clients I felt like I was helping people much more than I was helping people in in their hospital bed Mm -hmm. um and then I started um going into intuitive eating and I realized that it was yoga basically yoga for eating And I was like, okay, this is it. This is exactly what 
I need to be doing. So I started to integrate intuitive eating and yoga, yoga philosophy. And now I um, have this coaching program where I teach and guide people through the intuitive eating process, but I, I integrate and infuse into uh, yoga philosophy, for, for example, compassion and truth. And I have people really look into that and reflect. And what does, for example, what does compassion mean to you? How can, it be, how can you be more compassionate towards yourself, towards others? What is your truth and how are you living your truth? And if not, what can you do to live your truth? And intuitive eating really isn't just about food. It's not about your eating. It's not about breakfast, lunch, and dinner. It's really about your entire life. So I really go into mindset, even your routines, um, how you interact with people. Everything is all included. And it's such a rewarding process to see people, to be able to connect with people on an emotional level, help them through that rather than saying what you're allowed to eat, what you're not allowed to eat. And intuitive eating, I don't give any advice on what you should eat, what you shouldn't eat. We don't talk about weight. There's no numbers involved, nothing, none of that. It's more about how you feel about your body, how you feel about your health and how you want to nourish your body. Mm -hmm. I love all of that. I wrote down some notes as you were talking and (laughs) what really stood out to me is just like discovering your truth. And um, I think for my audience, when you say Mm -hmm. yoga philosophy, could you maybe talk a little bit on that? And like, when, is there a difference? Like what, what's kind of encompasses the yoga philosophy that you're bringing into your practice now? Sure. Of course. So um, in most yoga class, if you go to a yoga class to you know, do vinyasa or hot yoga or whatever, you're going in and you're moving your body, you're breathing. And yes, that can be very transformative for some people. Um, it can be re- really relaxing and helpful physically and emotionally. For me, I was already a flexible person, so I didn't fully get the benefit of yoga because I was already able to move um, in that way. So yes, I do get benefits from it, but yoga philosophy was a lot more transformative because it's more about yoga of the mind. And so yoga is made up of eight limbs. If you've heard of Ashtanga or the eight limbs of yoga and of the eight limbs, the movement asana that we call is only one of the eight steps of yoga. Okay. So if you can imagine, you know, all of the you know, down dog and all of that we do, that's only one of eight steps. And the very, very first steps is following principles. There's no movement involved. And within the principles, the very, very first step is to be compassionate. It's nonviolence and it's called ahimsa. So lack of violence. And, you know, you hear a lot of people who are vegetarian, people who do yoga are vegetarian or vegan because it's about, um, you know, not, not killing, right? Not harming animals. But if you can take it a step further from that, what does compassion mean? What does nonviolence mean? So you can have your own interpretation of that. You don't need to stick to anything particular. This is really about what resonates with you. Okay. Mm -hmm. So when I guide someone through um, ahimsa compassion, I ask, okay, so what does this mean to you? How can you be more compassionate to other people or to, you know, the planet, to the earth? How can you be compassionate for yourself? Because we can be 
kind to other people. And we are probably very, for the most part, we are very kind people, mm-hmm. right? We know how to be kind to others. But then if you think about all of the things that you say to yourself, listen to yourself. Would you use those words when you're talking to your friends and family? That's a big one for sure that I experience with a lot of my clients is getting mm-hmm. them to build that awareness around that conversation that they're having with themselves. Exactly. So then becoming aware of that and saying, how can I change that? How can I be more compassionate for myself? How can I fill up my cup first? Right. You can't help people until you help yourself. Yes. Mm-hmm. We all you know that a lot of coaches, a lot of teachers say that, but it's really about um, taking care of yourself and taking care of your body as part of that as well. Right. What if, what are you putting into your body? And if you are, you know, restricting yourself from certain foods, or if you're feeling guilty for eating certain foods, or you feel shameful about your body, that is not compassion. Yeah. So that, that, right. Being that guilty place is just, you know, kind of, I feel like kind of manifesting like more of that, just not great feelings Mm -hmm. and, you know, into your reality. So I guess from there, like with, with those who might be struggling to find that compassion for themselves, maybe they're still in this cycle that I know I was in for a long time of feeling like I need to control and restrict my food. I need to control and restrict my body. Mm-hmm. Um, never feeling like it was good enough. Um, I'm curious to know like what advice you might have for those people who are still kind of in limbo between like knowing that they want to improve their relationship with food and body but mm-hmm. also being really afraid to let go of control. Sure. And this is a process. This is a healing process. It's not something where, you know, I can promise that you will be at a certain point um, in a certain amount of time. So this might take months. It might take years. It might be a lifetime process, but you are not going on a diet where you're going to probably quit after however many months, it's not something where you're going to go on to another diet. You know, it's, you're probably, if you start intuitive eating, this is going to be your style of eating for forever. Okay. Hopefully. And the reason is that you need to really go inwards, right? You have to listen to yourself. You have to acknowledge all of the emotions that you're going through And that's going to change. That's going to always change. You're going to have good days and you're going to have bad days. It is definitely a long process. So it's really about sticking to it, trusting, right? And continuing to be compassionate for yourself. And it's, it may be hard. You're going to probably have blocks, but if you go inwards, it is the same as a yoga practice. You're reflecting, you're breathing, you're moving and You're not going outside of your body for answers. You're not looking up. You're not Google searching what you should eat. (laughs) You're not going on the scale to see how much you weigh because that doesn't matter, Mm -hmm. right? It's not weight. It's not numbers. You're not trying to impress someone. All you want to be doing is to feel good about yourself and raise your self-worth, right? So you have to just continue to do the work and you know, that's why there's, you know, guidance. So I provide guidance and support groups on this and also letting go of the 
things in your life that's um, keeping you from that path, right? So that might be people, you know, it might be some of your close friends that talk about their bodies all the time. And maybe it's not healthy for you. Maybe it's toxic for you in certain ways. So sometimes you'll have to let go of some friendships um, or just people in your life. You might have to not have those conversations or actually talk to them and say, I can't have these conversations with you. And that's your, that's respect for yourself. Right. Mm -hmm. And there needs to be a lot of shifts within your, your lifestyle, you know, how you go about your day, how you um, prepare your meals, how you socialize, um, you know, there's just so many aspects that contribute to this. So understanding where your roadblocks are really important and you can't, you can't expect to, um, to be at a certain weight. You can't expect to look a certain way because that's not happiness and happiness is something else. It's more of the transformation. It's more of the peace within you, the grounding within you. So, um, And I've experienced that myself of like being in that restrictive diet cycle and Mm -hmm. losing a bunch of weight and still like, because I didn't do the inner work, it was more just controlling on the outside of still looking at myself and having those, you know, bad body image thoughts, Mm -hmm. um, never feeling like it was enough Um, now in the place of fear of weight gain. So over-exercising and it created this Mm -hmm. whole toxic pattern. And it's, um, it's interesting to be able to talk to like some of my clients now, like, you know, I've gained 30 pounds since that. And I feel Mm -hmm. the best about myself that I ever have. And Mm -hmm. for a lot of the people that I first talked to, it seems like they don't understand it. You know, it's like, it's almost like this foreign, Mm -hmm. like, how can I, (laughs) how can I gain weight and feel good about it? I'm like, well, because Mm -hmm. you don't need to control your body. You don't need to it's all about this healing process. You keep bringing up like emotional mm-hmm. like needs. And so I'm curious too, is like, you know, with emotional eating that comes up a lot, I'm sure yes. um, how you might be able to help people who might be like maybe buffering with food to avoid emotions, like mm-hmm. kind of opening up that healing process. Like what are your thoughts on that? Sure. And I just want to say, I think that's such a beautiful process that you went through and to have that realization of feeling really good about yourself and no matter what the weight was, it's not about how much you lost you, weight you lost, but even with the weight gain, you feel so much happier. So I think it's really important for people to know that. Mm-hmm. Um, so as far as emotional eating goes, that's really interesting. And I like to talk about this um, in a sense that you are trying so when you are stress eating or emotionally eating, you're probably trying to fill a void or distract yourself from emotions because in our society, we're not used to feeling our emotions and not feeling uncomfortable. So we're not, uh, we're not comfortable with being uncomfortable. Yes. Right. There's so many distractions that we can go to. Right. And especially in this age, Everything is moving so fast that we're not being mindful in anything, right? Even in the bathroom, we're on our phones, right? So, (laughs) so, (laughs) right. And food, I think, is basically the same thing as going to your phone, Mm -hmm. right? So when you are stressed out, when you are anxious, you're reaching for a bag of chips, right? 
but it's also the same thing as reaching for your phone and checking it for no reason, mm-hmm. right? Because you're trying to fill something. You're trying to distract yourself, right? You're looking for stimuli. So the most important thing is to first acknowledge your feelings, okay? It doesn't matter if you're feeling a bad feeling or a bad, in air quotes, bad feeling, right? So if you have anxiety or if you have stress, if you feel ungrounded, whatever that feeling is, it's okay. You're allowed to feel those things. If it's shame, if it's guilt, if it's sadness, all of that anger, you can feel those emotions and you are allowed to express that. So the first and foremost thing I say is to pause, acknowledge, recognize what type of feeling you're feeling. And if sometimes you don't know what it is that you're feeling, you just might feel you're just like, uh, what am I feeling? And it's okay. Mm-hmm. Just, just acknowledge that feeling. Okay. And when you do that, you are communicating with your body, right? And that's really important. You're not masking it. You're not reacting to it. And yes, if you reach for the bag of chips 30 seconds later, it's okay. It's a step in, in managing your emotions, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not about suppressing emotions, but it's about being able to manage through any emotions. So when you're able to do that, and then to take a step further, maybe you can do some breathing. You can maybe do a meditation. You can go out and take a walk, just some kind of a reset, right? Mm -hmm. But it's not food. It's not your phone. It's not something digital that you're going to just feed yourself, right? It's something where you can connect to your own body. Mm-hmm. And again, it's okay if you, five minutes later, if you go for the food, okay? Right. But also it's really important to not feel shameful, right? You just have to acknowledge that. Yes. Say, so, okay, I'm feeling angry. Okay, let me just try to breathe through this. I'm feeling angry because this and this happened. Mm-hmm. It's okay that I'm feeling angry. I'm just going to breathe through it. Okay. I still feel angry and I still really want those snacks. Okay. Okay. I'm just going to have those snacks. If that's okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and eventually it's a practice. Yeah. And if you keep doing that and some days you're going to end up probably just binge eating something And some days you're going to have, you know, a better day. And it's, you know, it's not one where it's not black and white. Mm -hmm. It's it's that communication and compassion with your body. So that's a really important piece. So emotional eating, stress eating is such a key part in intuitive eating and to take care of yourself. Yeah. I think I always say, say to my clients, it's like, you know, Um, a lot of my clients, they struggle with binge eating like I have. And so I offer them a new thought is like, Hey, this is an opportunity for you to like learn more about yourself. And like, again, offer more compassion for yourself. Like, like you mentioned, you can notice the feeling and then Mm -hmm. still have the chips, but it's the after feeling of like moving away from the guilt and shame and moving into this place of compassion of like, okay, I chose the chips today Mm -hmm. and you move on. And the next time maybe you don't choose the chips or maybe you do again and it doesn't matter. Like you said, it's not black and white. And I think that's where like 
on this process, it's so great to have mentors who have been going through this and have been helping others because mm-hmm. it can get confusing in your head and to sort out right. and thoughts. Right. And, you know, one thing I definitely stress for intuitive eating is you have to incorporate all of the steps. Because if you take just one thing, which can be, you can eat the things that you love, right? Anytime you want, however much you want. That's a very confusing message. And if you just take that message and run with it, it's not going to go very well, right? Mm-hmm. You have to be able to manage your emotions. You have to be able to practice mindful eating. You have to practice compassion. You have to do all of those things in order to be able to become an intuitive eater. Otherwise, it's going to just... You know, you're just going to go down this dark, dark hole <laughs> and that's not going to go very well. Choose. Right. Right. It's, it's a whole package. It's a holistic approach to your health. Right. Mm-hmm. Love that. Well, you've shared some amazing insights. I have loved all of this and I kind of just want to end. I know we talked a lot about bringing compassion in. Mm-hmm. So I'd love to just know, like, what does compassion mean for you personally now going through all of this? Mm, that's a really good one. Okay. Um, hmm. Compassion for me, it has evolved a lot. At first, it was really about how I speak, the words I choose, and what I decide to say. Um, I I recognize I need to slow down and you know speak with more compassion and also what's going on in my mind. I have to be more compassionate and not be so hard on myself. Even though I talk about this all the time, sometimes I find myself ending up having negative self-talk. And so I have to pause. And this year, I actually started um, this thing called Project Slower. And it's an approach to a slower living And slow life is something that I've always been, um, I've always dreamed of, you know, living like on a farm or something and making, you know, all of my own food, growing everything. But I live in Los Angeles and it's not that it's impossible, but I realized, you know, I can make steps now in my current life to slow down. Mm -hmm. So it's slower. It's not necessarily slow. It's not slow at all, but it's slower. And when I slow down, I could be more mindful. Yeah. And, you know, so every week I had different intentions of, you know, what I can do to slow down. One of it was I took a break from social media. That was really great. Um, Taking a break from TV, all of that. So that was really great. But then with everything going on right now, um, I feel like every, everyone's just really slowed down. So that's, that project is kind of, on, you know, it's kind of like a worldwide project right now. Totally so, mm-hmm. yeah. So for me, it is really about um, slowing down my um, my daily movements. You know, not just rushing through things because I like to multitask and mm-hmm. <laughs> take mm-hmm. shortcuts. Um, so yeah, that is my way of compassion at this I moment. It's mm-hmm. beautiful. And I love the evolution of, you know, because it's always changing. It's always evolving yes. to, you know, just whatever you need in that moment. And right. the beauty of this process is it's always evolving. Right, right. Exactly. 
Well, Mayiko, it's been such a pleasure. Where can people come find you and learn more about your practices and you? Yeah, thank you so much. So I'm on, if you want to check my website, mayukookai.com. Um, my Instagram is mayukookai.rd. Um, and I offer 90-day uh, coaching programs. And I do offer some workshops here and there as well. I also have a private Facebook support group, which is completely free if you want to just join and see what it's all about. And I offer a lot of free information. So perfect. Yeah. Well, I will definitely link up all of your stuff in the show notes. So okay. you guys can go check her out. I've mm -hmm. loved having this conversation with you. And thank you so much again. Thank you so much, Katie. It's such a pleasure speaking with you. You too. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Mind and Body Strong podcast. You are what makes this movement and message possible. If you loved this episode, share it with a friend, a coworker, a family member, or take a screenshot and share it on your favorite social media platform and tag Mind and Body Strong. To learn more about coaching and courses to help you take your journey to the next level, visit mindandbodystrong.com.